Hey friends, we've got a tremendous episode for you today. Uh, in fact, I just can't wait to get started. I know I say that every single time, but today we've got Andrew Jones live from Sinai. So uh, yeah, the Sinai that I've been telling you all about, this location out there in Saudi Arabia, the real, the one and only Mount Sinai, he's live. He's out there in the desert. It's crazy talking to us through Skype. So I'm going to jump right into it right now. You don't want to miss this one. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into this. I actually can't believe it. If you've been watching this show as of late, I'm in the middle of a series called Get Real. It's all about uh, the truth of the Bible and the Bible stories and things like that. And um, uh, basically, long story short, I've got a special guest in the studio today via Skype, not actually in the studio, but uh, he's even cooler. He's talking to us from halfway around the world live from Sinai. So uh, I'm just going to get right into it right now. I'm going to introduce him to you. Uh, here is Andrew Jones. Andrew, we're excited for you, buddy. I, hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, it's it's hard to believe you're you're live. You're live from the Exodus route. Yeah, I'm very near Mount Sinai. <laughs> I'm stuck here along the Exodus route right beside the cell tower so i can talk to it's you. really i mean modern technology is something isn't it it's just uh you see the mountains in the background there and i i promise you studio audience he's not just out in arizona somewhere he actually <laughs> he lives in turkey and you know he's uh and he, he's uh he he does these tours i'm going to tell you all about that stuff in uh in a minute here but uh basically you know i i I met Andrew uh, maybe about two months ago when I was prepping for this particular series and I was trying to uh, look for some videos online, uh, some short ones that kind of just showed this area. And uh, lo and behold, he actually plans tours. He actually takes people uh, on tours of this site. And uh, I don't remember if I've said it in a video yet or not. Okay, so this is kind of a big reveal. I'm going on a tour with Andrew. Uh, me and my son are going in October next month. I honestly, this whole thing, Andrew, I got to be real with you, man. It's like a dream come true. I can't believe it. Um, we're going to see all these sites in person. Uh, I will take good video for, for the folks so we can show everybody. But man, Andrew, I, I don't want to do all the talking here. I want to really give you an opportunity to tell people about some of these sites. Uh, in this particular episode, we're uh, really kind of focusing on Noah's Ark. But, um, you know, if you want to take just kind of a minute and tell everybody about just generally about these tours and what you do, I think the scope of this thing is just absolutely massive. So uh, why don't you tell us about it? Between 20 and 30 others who are going, we're still nailing down all the numbers. Um, remote areas, groups out there doing this. We try to focus on like, what, how, how did Ron and um, what made him think this was? Um, and then also for Eastern Turkey, that's where I live at the base of Mount Ararat. And this is the Mount mountains of Urartu, uh, this uh, mountainous kingdom that Genesis says the Ark of Noah landed in. Uh, that's where I'm living. And that's where we're doing research on this boat formation that was discovered by Captain Durupanar back in 1959. Okay. 
and it's been in and out of the news over the last uh, you know 60 years yeah, yeah. but we're doing research there um and um trying to get the word out through renovating the visitor center that's above the arc site and um, that's incredible a tourist out there too yeah just uh, just amazing I, i've actually got a picture of the uh of that original photo that was taken and you, you mentioned the gentleman's name that took that picture so this yeah, so, it's a black and white photo of a it looks like a boat-shaped object yeah that was discovered in 59 now that photo there um that was uh taken in 1961 um by uh Ara he was a famous turkish photographer um who sadly passed away a couple years ago but he uh, was hired by the Turkish military to fly a plane, like a low-flying plane, over the object yeah. um, after they first discovered it um, with high aerial photographs. Um, they were doing a survey back in the, the late um, uh, 50s. And so um, the, these photographs got everyone interested. Here's a boat-shaped object in the mountains of Ararat. And, uh, of course, everyone knows that Noah's Ark landed somewhere in that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, th so the location, if uh, somebody hasn't seen this before, um, I, we're looking at another picture here of basically you can see the Ark. It's looking at it. Uh, I think it's looking at Mount Ararat from the vantage point of the Ark. So you see the, uh, the Ark, this beautiful yeah, photo. Yeah, you're, right? you're at the, uh, the, the top end of yeah. the boat. Um, you can see it at the, the bottom of the screen. And then the Mount Ararat itself, the famous volcano, yeah. is across the valley. And um, it was a beautiful spring day. We took that photograph. Yeah. And that's what people can come. They can come out there now and see the site. Uh, we have one more tour this season. Uh, then winter will hit. Uh, but every uh, summer and fall, we bring tourists. Incredible. Yeah. There's also a, uh, you know, there's, there's a, I believe it's called the Village of Eight. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I know. Uh, in in yeah, fact, maybe, uh, maybe you can tell us as well. Why, I mean, why you think this is Noah's Ark. Uh, there, there is a, uh, why, you know, why you think it's Noah's Ark. Well, I mean, so if you're looking at the biblical account, uh, you know, we believe Moses wrote Genesis. And he was very brief on where uh, he said Noah's Ark landed. All he said in Genesis chapter 8 is that uh, Noah's Ark landed in the mountains of Ararat. And another name for Ararat is Uartu. And that was an ancient kingdom back in that time period. And it's basically saying, like you would say today, where the boat... Uh, could have landed in the mountains of Canada. So it's just the name of a country. <laughs> and so that's not very, very, you know. With the glaciers. Uh, Moses didn't give us, he didn't give us uh, GPS locations <laughs> yeah. or anything. And so you have this mountainous kingdom in eastern Turkey. And, uh, you know, it goes kind of into northern Iran and, um, and Iraq maybe. But most of it is in uh, eastern Turkey and into Armenia. And so Urartu, where we get the word Erat was this place, and that's where uh, Moses said that the boat of Noah landed. And so, now I believe that this is the site. Mainly, uh, if you look at it's like a court case, we take all the pieces of evidence, um, and, and if you look at the, the, the first piece of evidence, it's a boat. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, people, all, they, even those who say it's up on the, the big volcano, um, Eret, uh, in the past, they've looked at blurry satellite photographs or uh, people who said they've seen it personally before there was even Google Earth. Uh, but now, you know, with the glacier melting up there, and there's hardly any glacier left, and you have lots of uh, sports, uh, like trekkers going up there, climbing to the top of the mountain. Uh, no one has seen this object. But here we have a very clear boat formation yeah. um, that's sitting in the mountains of Ararat. So you have a boat shape. It's in the right location. Um, and in regards to the actual uh, size of the boat, it matches perfectly. Uh, Moses gave us very brief, again, you know, 
descriptions of the boat. Uh, not very uh, detailed, but he did say that its length was 300 cubits. Now, we believe that Moses was using the standard measurement at that time during his life, which was the Royal Egyptian cubit. Just like today, you can say the metric system is a standard around the world. Back then, it was a Royal Egyptian cubit. If you take that measurement of 20.61 or 62 inches, and you times it by 300 cubits, divide it by 12, you get 515 feet. And that's oh my exactly goodness. the length of this object. I mean, what that's a incredible. <laughs> like it's it's, so it's crazy cool. that it's even possible, yeah. you know, that we would find something like this. But but I know that there's also been scans of the area. I don't know if they're like sonar or how they do that, but that have shown that this is a man-made structure. There's a grid work. There's a you can actually reconstruct what the boat looks like. Am I right in saying all this? Well, so and there's um uh, back when they started doing scientific work on it, uh, mainly Ron Wyatt, who was pushing to do the research on this site, uh, no one since that time has been able to excavate it. He, he tried himself to get it excavated. And so because they could not excavate it, everyone has been using non-destructive non uh, uh, techniques yeah. like uh, geophysical surveys. So that's uh, ground penetrating radar, GPR. Uh, another method is ERT, which uses electricity to map out the resistive or the conductivity nature of what's below the ground, and then the software can create uh, a 3D image on your computer. Um, so these are a couple of the techniques. They've used uh, metal detectors to map out the grid of metal that you talked about. Uh, and so based on all these different techniques, they're able to get um, a, a picture of some type of structure below the ground that you, you would think you would not find in nature. Like when we did the GPR work, this radar work in 19, uh, 2019, um, it showed right angles, it showed parallel lines, um, and the American archaeologist who was just hired to be a consultant to review the data, he said, this is an area I would do an excavation to find out what that, what that is. And you still have to ground truth and dig down there or core drill because uh, obviously um, you're still looking at something you know, through the software, yeah. um, computer software, and so you do need to actually excavate. And so <clears throat> we're hoping the Turks would do that. But based on the data so far, yeah, everything's been positive. Nothing has been uh, ruling this out um, as a man-made object. And so we believe it's definitely uh, the buried remains of a ship. And the only ship that would be in this area would be, would be Noah's Ark. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I saw um, in, in one instance, I think Ron Wyatt actually presented uh, the, the information that he had to the manufacturer of the particular machine that he was using. And this person would have had obviously a non-biased, you know, kind of uh, uh, reaction to, to his findings. But he said, this is a man-made structure. I mean, he, he said the, 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 yeah. ma the maker of that, uh, you know, particular machine. And yeah, GSS, GSSI in New Hampshire. They're still around, too. Okay. Um, we rented one of their radar, um, I believe one of their antennas, when we hired an American company back in 2019 to scan the boat. Um, you know, we brought in people who had nothing to do with our team. They were just recommended to us. And one of them was even an atheist on that trip. And then we had um, <laughs> Discovery Channel come out and film it all for their science. They own Science Channel, yeah. so it was on the Science Channel. And uh, they filmed the whole um, two, three days worth of work. And when they showed the parallel lines below the ground, and then later when they processed the data and they saw the right angles too, then that other archaeologist was like, hey, there's something right here. Um, but, uh, you know, you these are people who had nothing to do with promoting Noah's Ark or saying this site is Noah's Ark. They're just there to do their job. Yeah. And so it was great to get more interesting data. I mean, every time a scan is done, uh, so an example uh, about 
almost a year ago, we had the Turks finally do an official scan of the site, and they focused on ERT, which uses electricity, and um, we had a private viewing of their data um, back in January of this year. And so it, the scientist showed us the data, and he said um, what it shows is that there's something just below uh, what you see above the surface. So on the surface, you see this boat-shaped object. Yeah. And so the question is, what is holding this site together? What is there? Why is it a boat shape? Um, is it just part of the natural mud flow around it? Is it um, uh, some other type of man-made object? And so from their scans, and, and they did a lot of scans. They did 39 scans with a 500-meter long cable. Holy cow. So they went really, I've seen really some pictures of this. Mountain. Yeah, so, th yeah, and when he came back with the results, he said there's nothing here uh, suggesting it's uh, just naturally part of the mud flow. And he was excited. When he first saw the site, he told us in private, uh, you know, he was hired by the governor's office to do these scans. And he said, hey, uh, you know, I think this is just nothing yeah. here. You know? And he was just a, a Turkish scientist and um, a geophysicist. And they hired him um, and they brought him in. He was from another part of the yeah. country. He didn't even know about the site. Um, and then he reviewed our data from previous scans, the Ron Wyatt data. And then he did his own. And he had three different teams uh, independently look through his, the results that they got with three different types of software. And they all show that there's yeah. something below yeah. the boat. And I, so, I mean, really, the bottom line is that this is a man-made structure. I think that's what uh, it seems to be what, what people are saying, what you're saying. They're, they're so, so if somebody's out there and they're a skeptic and they're going, okay, like, yeah, okay. Every, every two years, somebody finds Noah's Ark you know, somewhere in the world, like this one, it, it's the yeah. right dimensions. It's, it's in the right place. Biblically, it, 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 it is a clearly a man-made structure. And then there's also circumstantial evidence. Okay. So like, you know, in legal terms, you've got like direct evidence that you've got circumstantial, you've got this village of the eight. Um, can you, yes. can you describe that a little bit? It's uh, basically a, it's like a setting outside of, uh, of the area there. I don't, I don't know how far it is, but maybe you yeah, can describe about, what it is and what, what we find there that makes it so interesting. Yeah. So about 20 miles to the West, um, it's still in that general area, but it's on the other side of Dobizit, which is the town where I live in that's just West of the Durupinar, um, Noah's Ark site. And, um, so in this village, Ron Wyatt, um, uh, on his first uh, visit there in 1977, he came across these huge stones that had holes in them. Some of them had fallen over. Some of them had been reused as Armenian Christian uh, tombstones or headstones. And so they had crosses on them and some other, um, uh, you know, uh, carvings. But uh, others that had not uh, been used were just, you know, plain stones, but very big. The biggest, I believe, is like 13 feet tall. Um, and uh, these stones uh, have huge holes all in the same spot near, near the top. Um, and so he um, theorized that these were uh, drogue stones. Now, they're a little different from anchor stones. Uh, drogue stones are used to stabilize a ship um, during a storm. So they drop them below the water. And um, he believed the ark um, could have used these. Uh, now, the Bible doesn't give us all these type of details. So the Bible doesn't say no, uh, that Noah had drogue stones or even anchor stones. Um, but you do find these unique stones there in this valley where the locals yeah. told them it's called the Valley of Eight. And we know there are eight people. Right, right, right. Which and That's so, my favorite number, by the uh, way, number of resurrection. You know, Christ was raised on the on the eighth day, the day after the Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, yes. So. But uh, which 
tremendous amount of symbolism too with what God did in the flood and how he preserved the flood and resurrected yes. humanity through, you know, Noah and his uh, family of eight. So, but uh, yeah, so anything else? I mean, what, what about this particular area? I mean, so you've got the, you've got these stones. I mean, is there um, anything else there? I know I've, I've heard different things about grave sites and altars and stuff like that. I mean, is there... <laughs> Well, I mean, you have different ideas being proposed. Uh, you know, these, this is all from uh, Ron Wyatt's um, trips yeah. over there. Um, and so in that valley, you, you do find a, a ruined house uh, that possibly could be the the house, that uh, whether it was a storage place or his summer home. You know, uh, <laughs> it's a ruined house that uh, in front of it, he found... It's where our grandfather Noah vacationed. Uh, headstones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he decided to hang out. Vacation there. I mean, the reason why, by the way, this area is very important is because it has the biggest springs in, in the area. So water back then was very uh, important. Obviously, today too. I'm here in the dry desert. You know, the Israelites complaining about lack of water. Where, well, if you look at the the region where Noah's Ark is at, uh, this is one of the most important springs in that My area. My goodness. And so they have, they find uh, artifacts all the way back to the Ur two. You know, the time of the Ararat, the kingdom. Yeah. Um, through uh, the um, up, you know through the uh, Armenian period and Islamic, uh, so you do have this uh, valley being settled by many different types of civilizations and people because of the water there. And so I'm, I'm assuming Noah needed water too. It says he grew vineyards. Um, you know, back when this area um, had a lot of Armenians in there, they would grow vineyards, uh, and they still do. You cross the border just to the uh, east of there, you go to the country of Armenia, and of course they're well known for their wine, and they have a lot of vineyards have been over there, uh, and so they used to grow the same thing in this area too. Yeah. Um, so uh, the water is important, so you can you can see why he possibly lived there. Uh, now what's the most interesting thing I think are these two headstones that he found that had petroglyphs carved on them, so like picture writing, um, and it showed eight people um, walking um, with a boat on a crescent with what looks like to be a, like a crescent wave. Uh, and then above that looks to be like a rainbow. Um, and it had yeah, that's the incredible. two tallest people, like, like the two most important people in this eight, this, you know, this, this yeah. line of eight figures drawn or carved. You had uh, one of them on the one headstone, the lady with her eyes closed. And then on the second headstone, you had the tallest guy and the lady, the second tallest with both of their eyes were closed, like as if now like the parents died. Um, and so Ron, when he saw that, he theorized that, well, the first one must have been Mrs. Noah's grave. Um, and then the next one um, was his, Noah's grave. Um, and sadly, he had uh, told a, a number of explorers and adventurers this information. He, he had a little book printed back in the early 80s. And around 84, 85, um, when he went out there to show this site to uh, David Fazeld, another one of the guys who were interested in the Noah's Ark story there, um, they found that her grave, well, backtrack, they found that one of the graves had been dug mm. up. And what was left was like an 18-foot-long trench. So it was a huge grave. Um, and so they reported to authorities, and authorities tracked down the local who had um, helped and it basically, he told the story of what was found. He said an American paid him $300 to dig up this grave. They, they found an 18-foot-long stone sarcophagus. Inside was a giant skeleton with lots of jewelry um, and gold. And, um, and so anyways, uh, and to get the guy to talk, um, 
they had to torture him. Sadly, they uh, pulled. His oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Holy god! Yeah, so he told the story. I guess you would, if you had your nails being pulled. Uh, wow! Yeah. You would tell Holy like, what cow. you saw, and so he said, "This is what happened." Now the investigation stopped at a uh, higher up in, in the government yeah. because at that time, um, it, you know, probably the guy who sold the jewelry had enough money to buy off those who were investigating. Yeah. Him because nothing happened. Um, so when you go there today on the tour, we show you the trench. It's still a depression. Oh my goodness. That's incredible. You see about 50, it's about 15 feet long now. Um, and it's just there. Um, and so, yeah. So what is your, what is your take on Ron Wyatt? I, I think this is probably a good place to ask. I, I know that we've just yeah. mentioned him quite a bit and I, I actually spent a great deal of time talking about his story about the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, feel free to give us your take on that. Uh, him as a person, I feel like he gets unfairly criticized um, just because he's an amateur uh, or was, excuse me, was an amateur. Um, also tell us, I know that you did work with his organization for several years. So tell us about that and your affiliation with him and your thoughts on him. Yeah. So I first heard of him um, when I was in uh, middle school. And so I was like 13 or 14 years old. It was uh, seventh grade. And he had come out to, um, I'm, a, I'm from California, so he came out to Sacramento, California to do a one-night presentation. And I didn't know who this was. All, all I knew, the announcement said that this guy is going to talk about So you saw him on. personally give this presentation? Well, no. So it was a school night. It was a Thursday okay. night. He came out. And so my dad, and I, and I was a nerd. Uh, and so my, I had homework. And I was like, Dad, can you go hear this guy and tell me what he says? And because I was really interested in archaeology, <laughs> I had the homework to do. So my dad. Oh, that's said, crazy. And so, he came, so my dad came back and he's like, Well, this man said he found everything. <laughs> and I, I didn't know who it was. So, everything. Like, well, he found everything. <laughs> so Indiana Jones and your la your last name is Jones by the way you know I I, I thought I thought that was you're, you're kind of doing yes. all the, the work yeah, of uh, of Indiana you know yeah some friends call me Indy Andrew <laughs> 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 but uh, so uh, anyways uh, I got the book I, I found his book in a bookstore um, it, it was his book on Noah's Ark it was a little booklet but in there he talked about all his other discoveries like you know the red sea crossing uh mount sinai but there's hardly you know this was 91 or 1990 there's no photos of the book except for the noah's ark stuff and then the red sea um but you know he even mentioned the ark of the covenant but this just that he had discovered it and so i was like wow you know i need more information it's a very small booklet and it has all these important claims yeah. in there you know i was just a kid and so this is before the internet and um so i called 411 that's a service back then you could call and get the operator and ask for a phone number if you had like a city and a name and so i asked um because in the book he had his address is in madison tennessee and um and it had a p.o box and it said ronald e wyatt and so i called the operator and she had a phone number for this guy and so i was like okay i'm gonna call this guy now this is before you had unlimited yeah yeah you know, phone so i was dialing in the evening so evening rates <laughs> but um he picked up and i was like surprised and that's incredible so i started talking to him and he said well i just got back from the middle east um can you call me tomorrow and so i did and that, that was so from 91 until he passed away in 1999 i used to call and talk to him and his family uh just hours holy at cow um, and I, yeah i had so many questions and um and then finally in 1996 and 97, he, I invited him to Sacramento to do two meetings. That's when I first met him. Um, and so he did two different presentations in, uh, at, at area churches. Uh, the one time we rented a theater and he was there. Uh, and then in 97, it was my first trip 
to actually go to um, see the Noah's Ark site. I went with a friend uh, who knew Ron too, and that guy actually needed a travel companion. I was in the middle of college at that time. And so I said, hey, I'll go with you. And so we went and spent a week in Turkey. That was my first time seeing the boat formation um, and meeting my friend Zafer, who who um, is our, the, the local now who's helping us at the site um, and doing yeah. all the stuff that we do in Turkey. Well, and so, yeah, then in 2000, I finally went to Israel and Egypt. I saw the Red Sea crossing from the Egyptian side. And then wow. 2016, so this is after Ron had passed away in 1999. But in 2016, uh, we finally got business visas to go here to uh, Saudi Arabia. This is before they allowed tourist visas, which started in 2019. But back then in 16, we got business visas, five-year visas, and we went back and forth. That's why I've been going here. So and that's how you're able to lead like, these tours. I mean, basically. Yeah, I mean, because we had a multi-entry business visa okay. at the time. Um, but in, from 2003 to uh, 2006, I was a uh, part of the um, Wyatt Archaeological Research, um, which was the organization that Ron founded. And I was part of the group that went to Israel to um, double check his his stuff and uh, do uh, research and excavations in Zedekiah's cave, uh, which is this ancient quarry under uh, part of uh, the old. Where he says to he claims to have found the Ark of the Covenant, correct? Well, this is the uh, the the quarry system that's just close to the garden tomb. And so Ron's claim was that the garden tomb is where, you know, underground is where this chamber is with these first temple treasures, including the Ark of the Covenant. And that above it is where Christ was crucified, which is right near where the tomb itself is. Uh, and so the garden tomb itself is a famous, uh, you know, Christian site. People can go there and meditate and pray. And, um, you know, thousands of people go there every year. Um, and so Ron excavated there. You know, he got a permit, was able to excavate there in the 1980s. Um, and then he believed that from Zedekiah's cave, which right now is closed, sadly, because they're doing renovation work. But from that underground quarry, um, he believed there's a tunnel that connected that um, quarry system with this chamber that is now uh, below the um, garden tomb. And so now personally, so on our trips, I was uh, head of the uh, media team uh, videoing and uh, photographing the work. But, um, uh, you know, the first goal was trying to see if we could find that tunnel. Um, and then that was in Zedekiah's cave that we were working for two years. And then from 2005 and 2006, um, they did an excavation um, in the garden tomb. They, uh, the garden tomb actually allowed WAR, Wyatt Archaeological Research, to do this work in the middle of this really important Christian site. Um, That's incredible. So we, um, the, first, the first year we reopened all of Ron Wyatt's old tunnels. He had tunneled underground yeah. there. And we found his old equipment he had left there. You know, Ron actually dug there. Those who say he never did, you know, we found his old equipment. Huh, and, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that was uh, kind of where, where we landed on it when we discussed. I, I want it to be true, if nothing else. I mean, it's a, it's just such an amazing yeah, no, story, and I think that's just kind of where my heart is. So, I mean, like, you know, what we what we talked about in regard to Noah's Ark, I mean, getting back to that specific topic, um, this idea of worldview comes up. And, you know, of course, it's true with the Ark of the Covenant and some of these other biblical sites. But in particular, you know, I, I shared with you something that uh, my ministry did here locally, and that was we put up a series of billboards talking about evolution. Let's, let's say this is Noah's Ark. Uh, what does that say to other worldviews? What does that say about other, you know, paradigms? I mean, it, it says something to humanity about uh, about a lot of the things people believe today, uh, whether it's another religion, whether it's, you know, what, what kids are being taught in public schools about our origins. Uh, what, what does this find 
what does Noah's Ark say to culture about worldview and the importance of worldview? It is actually early here. It's it's uh, you know 6 a.m. here in in Ohio where I'm recording from. I got up bright and early. I got my espresso going here so that I could talk to Andrew out there, and he's sweating. Actually, you can hear the the wind isn't. It sounds authentic. It's actually just his air conditioner because he's he's you know in a hot car out there in thousand degree heat out there at uh, Mount Sinai. So thanks for joining us, brother. We'll see you.